But like I said, we're continuing on in our message series on Colossians. It was a letter that Paul wrote to this little church in Colossae in about 60, 61 AD. But what I love about it, it is still very, very relevant for us today. And what we want to do, just to start off everything, we're going to be talking about the topic of work. Everybody loves their job, don't they? So... But what we want to do is looking at work from God's perspective. And so when I say work, I also mean students. Uh, I mean those who are retired, you are still working, uh, whether you recognize it or not. Because work and being a student and being retired or being a stay-at-home mom, it is a calling from the Lord. What is God asking us to do in that calling? And to help us out to understand a little bit more of that, let's take it from the theologian Snow White. Now you wash the dishes, you tidy up the room, you clean the fireplace, and I'll use the broom. Just whistle while you work, and cheerfully together we can tidy up the place. go to dinner at Snow White's house, just a reminder to bring a towel and some hand sanitizer because your plate may have been licked by a deer, okay? So that is gross. But what I love about that scene is two things. One, she is really excited to work. More than that, she's excited to, to take a broom and actually sweep. And I'm thinking, why is that? How can she look at work? How can she whistle while she works? And Snow White, she says this phrase that's so important for us today. And here's what it says. We'll put it on the screen for you. It says, imagine that the broom is someone that you love. And soon you'll find yourself dancing to the tune. In other words, Snow White is don't look at your work as work. Look at your work as more important than that. Something bigger. Something that has purpose. And when you look at work, not as work, but when you look at work as something you love, something bigger than yourself, then it's interesting how your attitudes change, how your actions change, how everything changes about you. I remember when I was uh, working, when I was going to seminary, and to support my family, I worked in facilities at a church. And my job was to clean the toilets and to uh, take out the trash and to set up tables for Bible studies and things like that at the church. And I'll be honest with you, at first, I thought I was above that. I thought, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't want to do this. And more importantly, uh, I just didn't like the work. I didn't want to have a broom in my hand. I didn't want to clean toilets. I already do that at my own house. I didn't want to do that again. And I remember the day that I went into the lead pastor's office, and I was taking out his trash, and something changed in me. On his desk, he had his notes that he was using to prepare for his sermon coming up, and I thought to myself, I'm not preparing a sermon, but I get to help this pastor out. I get to set the stage for him, so, so to speak. So he doesn't have to worry about taking out the trash or cleaning his bathroom. I'm going to do that and to support him. And all of a sudden, when I 
didn't look at work as work, but I thought it was bigger than that. It started to change my attitude. It changed the way I worked. I remember I used to set up these tables, and some of the tables were light. They are plastic. Other ones were these really old wooden tables that I had to move by myself. And sometimes I had to flip them up, and I felt like I broke my back every time I had to do that. I'm thinking to myself, why am I doing that? Well, the tables that were wooden were really small because that's where the kids sat in kids' celebration. And the plastic tables were set for Bible studies. And I thought, wow, there's going to be a little kid who's going to put his little Bible on the table or, or a woman or a man that's going to be growing in the relationship with the Lord. They're going to be sitting at this chair that I'm setting up. And the table is setting up for Bible study. I thought, wow, I get to be a part of that. Now, some of you are saying, well, that's great, but I, I'm not setting things up for a church. <laughs> I work on the line, or I work in the community, or I work in a factory, or I work on a farm, or I work uh, putting my life at risk for others. I, I do all these things. I, I put my life at risk for others, a.k.a. I'm a teacher. No, <laughs> But there's so many of you are like, I don't even get to do that. I don't have a bigger purpose in mind setting up for someone to teach a message or for kids uh, doing their uh, Bible studies. And let me tell you, you're wrong. You have an opportunity in your job to do the very thing that I just told you, to actually set up people to grow in their faith by what you do for a living. Because you don't just have a job, you have a calling. And it's bigger than your job. You are called by God to represent him in all that you do. And when we have that mentality at our jobs, it completely changes everything. So no, we're not going to whistle while we work, but we will do something else. We're going to worship while we work. The question is, how do we do that? But in order to understand the work part, we have to understand what worship is first. You see, a lot of times we think worship is what just happened. We sing songs, and we have a team up here that leads us in worship, and that is part of it. But honestly, when we are here on Sunday mornings to sing, it should be an example of what we should be doing all throughout the week declaring how good God is and living our lives upwardly, not inwardly. That's what worship is all about. And when we understand what worship is, then we're understanding we can actually do that everywhere, including the jobs that some of us don't like all the time. Here's what Warren Wiersbe says about worship. Worship is the believer's response of all that they are to what God is says and does. It does not say worship is the believer's response on Sunday. There's some of us who don't worship throughout the week because we don't really understand what worship is. Worship is wherever you're at and whatever you're doing in response to who God is. You can do all things in worship because you're living your life in light of who God says he is. For example, when I love my wife and kids, or when I love a stranger, or when I show love to even my enemies, I'm worshiping. Because God is a God of love. And I'm reflecting that back up to him. When I'm generous with my finances, or I'm generous with my time, when I'm generous with my words, I am worshiping because I'm reflecting a God who is generous. And that he gives us all that we need now, but he also gave us Jesus. That is so Generous. We can live our lives that way. And at work, 
when we look at our work, it's bigger than the job itself. When we reflect who God is in front of our coworkers and to our boss and to our customers and to our students, we have an opportunity to show people who God is in our jobs because we can worship while we work. Now, how do you do it? How do you practically worship every single day at your jobs? This is what we're going to focus on. The practicality of this and looking at what Paul has to say. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at three things on how to do this. Okay, It, meaning our work, matters to God. It's worship. And it matters to God where we work, how we work, and ultimately why we do what we do. So first of all, where we work. It matters to God where we work because it's exactly where God wants us to be. There's some of you that said, I'm not going to listen to anything else this jokester has to say because I am not where I want to be. Some of you right now are looking for a new job. Some of you would love to even get fired from your job because it gives you an opportunity to get a fresh start. Some of you loathe your job. Some of you, when the alarm clock goes off on Monday, some of you students, you hit snooze as many times as you can. You just don't want to get up to go to work. It's not where you want to be. Guess what? That ultimately doesn't matter. It may not be where you want to be, but it's exactly where God wants you to be. Where you are at right now, you are called there for a reason. You're called there for a purpose. You see, when we look at work as worship, and not just a place that we collect a paycheck, then we can see our jobs as a place where God wants to use us in an incredible way. See, Paul, he says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Just say 3 there. I'm sorry about that. But it says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Now, right away, they were like, slaves, whoa, Paul. (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, that word back then meant something completely different than it means now. Now, this word is absolutely disgusting. But in Paul's day, to use the word slave, or another way of saying it in the Greek is the bond servant, to say those things would not have been offensive like it is to our culture. In fact, here's what a slave was back then. Slaves were found in all professions and generally had more opportunity for social advancement than free peasants. Unlike the vast majority of slaves in the United States and the Caribbean, they were able to work for and achieve freedom. And some freed slaves became independently wealthy. This social mobility applied especially to the household slaves and the one kind of slave addressed in Paul's writings. Economically and socially, and with regard to freedom to determine their future, these slaves were better off than most free persons in the Roman Empire. So, when he says this, Paul is not saying anything that's derogatory here. In fact, he's talking about a people that were really employed and they could leave practically anytime they want. But as their status, they were able to really provide for their family, put food on the table. Uh, they could live in a house and have a roof over their head. So when Paul is saying, slaves, obey your earthly masters, he's not saying something the way we probably think he's saying it through our cultural lens. He's actually saying, listen, if you are working somewhere, you ought to obey those who are ahead of you in leadership, those who are your boss, those who have control over whatever you do. Now, here's what I love about this. Paul is not saying, if you like your boss, obey your boss. 
I wish Paul said that, but he doesn't. There have been times in my life where I have not liked my boss. And I'm like, I've said some things, I've done some things that aren't good. And some of you may have as well. See, Paul doesn't say, if you like where you're at or you're fulfilled in your calling or whatever it is, then obey your boss. He says, no, where you are at, obey your boss. What does that look like practically? Every single day, when we report to work, whoever is above us, whoever that may be, we are called to have an attitude of respect and honor to those who are above us. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. There's sometimes our boss is, let's just call it for what it is, it's a joke of a boss. The only reason that person is there is because they know somebody or they weren't held accountable to their actions. They lied to get to that position, whatever it is. And what do you do about that? Here's the problem that I have, Christ followers in this room. You and I are called to have an attitude that reflects who God is. One of respect, one of honor, one of kindness. One that respects the person above them. And I tell you, imagine if your boss found out that you were a Christ follower, how would they react to that? Would they say, oh, that makes total sense. They're one of the most committed people to me and to this company that we have. They're caring, they're loyal, they're respectful, they honor. Or would your boss Think, you, think to himself, are you serious? Would she say, oh my goodness, this person's a Christian? Because the way that re they respect me, the way they respect their coworkers, the way that they respect the company or wherever you work, does not reflect what a God-fearing person should look like. How would the people above you describe you? You see, as Christ followers, we have to respect those above us, whether we like them or not. Because that's part of worshiping at work. Paul, in another uh, letter that Luke actually wrote, and he's writing about Paul, Paul's talking to a group of people. He says, for in him we live and move and exist. All that we do, we do it as Christ living in us. We, when we surrender to Jesus, surrender our desires, our attitudes, our actions, so that Christ can live and move and exist in us and through us. That's why this is so important. That's why people at your work, especially your boss, should benefit from you, should see your hard work and commitment and want to praise you for all that you do because you're doing it for God, not just for your boss. We are called to be like this. And if you, live in a place, if you work in a place that's dark, you work at a place that's not fun. You work at a place that's disrespectful. Guess what? You change it. You don't change it by having a negative attitude and joining everybody else. You change it by shining a light in the darkness because that's what you're called to do. It's so much bigger than a job. It's a calling to be Christ wherever you're at. That's how you worship. Now, some of you are here and you would say, well, am I really supposed to respect my unethical boss who's asking me to do things that are contrary to my Christian values and beliefs? The answer is yes and no. <laughs> we always have to have an attitude of respect. That cannot change. It's not dependent on how we're treated. It's dependent on who we are in Christ. We need to honor and respect. However, 
if someone in your company or at your workplace asks you to do something unethical that goes against your values and you being a Christ follower, you follow the chain of command respectfully and if you get to the top and things don't change, then you need to change your job. Because ultimately, this is a calling. And you may be there and you're shining a light and you're trying your very best, but you're being asked to do things that are against who God is, then you have to look for a new job. And you may say, well, Eric, you don't understand. You work for a very ethical place, hopefully, right? (laughs) But you know what? If I ever was asked to do something in this job, and I've seen it happen in other churches, and that's disgusting to me. But if it ever happened, I would resign tomorrow. Because, yeah, it's important to get a paycheck. But I need to trust God for that paycheck. And I need to go somewhere that I'm asked. What I'm asked to do will reflect who I am as a Christ follower. So wherever you're at, even if you don't like your boss, be a change agent within. Worship where you work. That's where you're at. Now, how do we work? What does our work ethic ought to look like? You see, our work, if we could put that on the screen, our work matters to God because how we work matters. How we work because it should please him and those who we are working for. Here's what Paul says at the end of verse 22. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely. Why? Because of your reverent fear of the Lord. So there's three things we're going to pull from this verse, how to work. And the first thing is working in a way that you please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. In other words, we work with integrity. The word integrity comes from the Latin word integer, which means complete and whole. It doesn't mean that we're divided. Sometimes we're divided at work because we will work this way when people are watching because we have to do it well when the boss is there, but then we work a different way when no one is watching us. So we may be working hard, and then we say, man, we deserve a break outside of the normal breaks that we get. So we get our phones out. We take an extra extended coffee break, or we go and talk to our coworkers a little bit more than we should or leave our jobs a little early, or come a little late. That's a divided life. That's not a life of integrity. And God says, you need to work hard all of the time, even when no one is working. And when we don't live a life of integrity, guess what we're doing? We are stealing, stealing from our company. I love how Pastor John Piper puts it about this. He says, be absolutely and meticulously honest and trustworthy on the job. Be on time. Give a full day's work. And here's the interesting part. More people rob their employers by being slackers than by stealing the petty cash. And a lot of times we justify it because they're getting paid more than I'm getting paid. Look at all the money that goes upstream. Look at my work conditions. So I am going to slack. And what Paul is saying is, no, it's not about a job. It's about a calling. You are called to reflect Christ, which means we work hard even when no one is watching, even when nothing is at stake, because we do it to impress Christ, not other people. So when there's times, oh boy, some of the elders are in here. You're probably going to try to fire me after I say this. There are times, I literally remember one time, 
Oh, my goodness, this is so embarrassing. Okay. I was typing on the computer, and that's how I prepare sermons. Before I knew it, this is how disgusting this is. Before I knew it, I was on my phone on Facebook. I didn't know I was on my phone. Yeah, it's really sad, isn't it? Have you guys ever, like, been on your phone? You're like, how did I get this in my hand? And then I justified it. I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, whatever. Whatever it was. And, and I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And you may say, it's not really a big deal, but it is. Because I'm called to work hard. I get breaks. This was not one of those breaks. This was a time where I wanted to be lazy, but I was stealing from you who give to the church. I can't live that way, and neither can you, whether you work for a church or not. We are called by Christ to live and act and move in a way that reflects him. That's worship. And if you want to worship at work, you must always work hard and with integrity. And then Paul says you work with sincerity. That's why he says, serve them sincerely because of your reverence for the Lord. The word hypocrite means saying one thing and doing another thing. How many of us know some hypocrites in our own lives? You guys have friends, family members, person raised their hand. I like that, all right? Where you, you see that person and they talk a big game and you know, ain't no way they're gonna follow through with their word or they'll come through a little bit. But when you ask them to do something like, oh, yes, they're the first one to jump in and the last one to actually do work. Sincerity, when Paul says to work with sincerity, is the opposite of being a hypocrite. It's saying you're going to do it and you're backing it up with actions. Whether it's a little thing or a big thing, your boss, your coworkers, they can count on you because what you say is what you do. It's interesting, in Joshua chapter 24 in the Old Testament, God stuck to his word and redeemed his people, the Israelites who love to go everywhere else but towards God. You ever, do you know people like that? That's my life. I do everything but oftentimes go towards God. And, and God says, I will redeem my people. I will bring them back to me. And he does what he says. He's not a hypocrite. And in response to that, Joshua 24, verse 14, he says this, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in all sincerity and faithfulness. I love that. He's saying, God stuck to his word. You stick to your word. There are some of us in this room that we say one thing, but we do another thing. And you may say, it doesn't really affect the company. Guess what? It affects your soul. It affects how we work. It affects how we approach work. It affects more than you can imagine subconsciously. There are so many things happening when we live hypocritical. And I love that Joshua says, you serve sincerely and faithful because of what God has done for you. You know how much Jesus loves us? He doesn't just attach this thing to an airplane that says, I love you, on the back of it. He stepped down from a perfect heaven, stepped onto an instrument of death called the cross. He dies for our sins, resurrects three days later so we can have all of eternity. He promised us he would redeem us, and so he has. Why don't we do what we say we'll do according to what God says? Say, God, I'm going to be sincere and faithful in my work, not because I like my boss, I really don't, not because I like my job, I really don't, but because I am going to be a person of my word to you. 
because you are a person of your word to me. We gotta work with integrity. We have to work sincerely. Let's not be hypocrites, Christ followers. We're called above that. And we're also called to work willingly. Work willingly. In this verse, um, let me go back to it just for a second. Paul says, whatever you do. I love that. There are some of us in this room, I, I wrote up a list, so I want to make sure, that are stay-at-home moms, some of us who are teachers, some of us who are retirees, some of us business professionals, some of us farmers, some of us pipe fitters, some of us who work in construction, some of us who uh, work on the line, others of us who put our lives on the line for other people. If you are in the military, I'm so glad what Jeremy said, and I want to say the same thing, thank you for putting your job in line. I know today is a happy, special birthday to those who are Marines, and I am just one of those. I come from a military family. To see that they put themselves on the line for me is just absolutely incredible. And Paul says, whatever you do, even when you don't like your job, you are to do so willingly, and you do so with enthusiasm. And here's how you do it. When you don't want to do your job enthusiastically, when you have to do the same thing over and over again and you just can't stand it. This may sound at nauseum because I've said it over and over again, but this is the crux of it all. If you want to worship, you move past impressing your boss. You move past impressing your coworkers. You move past the feeling inside of you of not wanting to work hard and you do so willingly and with exuberance because you're doing it unto the Lord. That's what Paul says. You're not working hard because to impress people. You're working hard to impress the Lord. I love that. If your boss came in today and I started talking, I said, let me ask about you. I go to our church, Christ Fowler. Would your boss, would your coworkers, would those who really know you at work say, this person is a person of integrity? A person of sincerity and a person that's willing, exuberant, will do their work even though they don't always want to because they're doing it for a bigger purpose than themselves. You see, our character is on the line. You could work without all those things and skate by and retire someday. But you know what? I don't care about that. I care about who we are more and we need to be those workers when people hire us they know they found a gem because we follow Christ and we work in that way that's how we work with integrity sincerity and willingly because that's what worship looks like and then finally why do we work oh sorry I didn't even show you the verse <laughs> I'll show it to you now we're going wherever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than people and then finally why we work. It matters to God why we work because it provides us with both an earthly and an eternal reward. I would say that most of us, if not all of us, work because we have to. <laughs> Some of you may love your job to the point where you would do it for free. Honestly, I would do this for free. There's others of you uh, that you have to work so hard and I'm so impressed by some of you. Uh, your one job isn't pulling in enough and so you have to work two, three. I know some people work four jobs because they need to earn enough money to make sure that there's food on the table and a roof over their head and you'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. We are called to do that. 
And so our reward is money. The problem is if we only make our reward money and we don't realize a greater reward, then after a while, our jobs, they feel so insignificant. And we want to jump from job to job to job to job, trying to find our ultimate satisfaction in something we'll never find it in. I know so many people that start here, and then three weeks later they start here, and they start here, and they go here, and they go here. It's like if you just planted, and instead of trying to chase a paycheck, you chase the ultimate goal of working for Christ, then you would have the satisfaction you're looking for. I love what Paul says here in verse 24. Remember that the Lord, he will give you an inheritance as your reward. That the master you are serving is Christ. The inheritance, he's talking about this reward, is working unto the Lord because he gives you inner satisfaction that you can never find anywhere else outside of him. This is a picture that helps me, and I ultimately think about this a lot because there's sometimes I want to slack at work, or there's times where I don't want to go to my job. There are sometimes when, I, when I'm typing out a message or I may be counseling somebody or, or doing whatever, and I'm thinking, I just don't want to do it today. But then God gave me this picture, and I really try to think about this. Instead of bringing my work to you, I picture myself bringing my work to the Lord, that he literally is sitting on the throne, and he's worthy to be worshipped. And every time that I type or I speak or I listen or whatever I do, I'm bringing it to the Lord as my sacrifice and as my worship so I can get the satisfaction that I need that can, can never find from a paycheck. For some of us in this room, we need to turn our attention from chasing money to chasing Jesus. And in him, you will find all the satisfaction that you need. And if you're at a job where you're like, look, I don't, I don't really like my job. I struggle even though I get paid well. I just am not loving it all the time. I think we all can agree that's probably all of us in here. Then you will understand uh, Nicholas Herman. Nicholas Herman was born in 1611, a little bit older than us in this room. Died in 1691. He made his living as a soldier until an injury left him crippled. And then he did another job, and then finally he said, I I'm going to go to the monastery. And he ends up going to the monastery in Paris, and he gives his life to God in that way. And he was disappointed in not being able to provide in the way that he wanted to and to find fulfillment in his work. And then it got even worse. He goes to the monastery, and, and everybody that was, a, that was a monk back then, they have a job within the monastery to keep it going. And he was assigned to the kitchen. And he even describes the kitchen as a place where it was a great aversion to him. He says, literally, it was work that I did not particularly like, and there among the pots and pans, I was dealing with the monotony of my job. I mean, take away the pots and pans, think of your job, the monotony of our jobs. How we are just, we go to our work, and sometimes it's a place of aversion. We don't want to be there, and it's so monotonous. And yet, this person, Herman, dis discovers in the monotony how he can worship God in the ordinary. And he writes this book. It's so old, but it's so, so good, called The Practice of the Presence of God by his, his new name, Brother Lawrence. And as he's in the midst of these pots and pans, 
serving food. He discovers in the ordinary that he can worship God and it changes everything. When people would come, excuse me, when people come to the monastery to look for spiritual counsel, they would go to a person called an abbot. Brother Lawrence embraced his calling in such a way that he became such a worshipful person that people were going to him for spiritual counsel and not the abbot. And I think to myself, there are so many of us in here that just do ordinary jobs. None of us do anything crazy. We're all just ordinary people making a living. And I'm thinking to myself, I would love it if the people at your work wouldn't come to me for spiritual wisdom, but would come to you. Because they see a person who recognizes their job is way more than a job. It's a calling. And instead of looking at your place of work as a place of aversion where you don't want to go, you look at it as a place of a tabernacle where you can worship God right there to see God in its fullest splendor and to show people who God is really like through you. Wouldn't that be incredible? I love Brother Lawrence. Uh, He says this about his job. Imagine your job. Are you saying this about your job? He said, as someone who just served food in the kitchen, he resolved to make the love of God the end of all of his actions. He said, I have been satisfied with this single motive. I am pleased when I can take a straw from the ground simply for the love of God, seeking him only and nothing else. He literally says, when I get to pick up trash from the ground and throw it away. I love to do it because at the end, it's not about this disgusting job. It's about being love. Do the people at your organization and your company and your workplace, do they see you as a person they can count on in love? If you're a boss in this room, we talked a lot about coworkers. Colossians 4.1 talks about those who are masters, those who are bosses. Paul is saying, listen, your people should want to come to work and should enjoy work because you're a great boss, not because you're so, you're, you compensate well and you have great work conditions, because everything you do is birthed out of this love for God. Is that how people look at you, bosses? If not, we're missing it. And then he says this. He says, we ought not to be weary in doing little things for the love of God, for God does not regard the greatness of the work but the love with which it is performed. I don't care what you do. It's not about what you do. It's about how you do it. You do it with love. And that's how you know you're worshiping, not just at church on a Sunday, but at your desk on a Monday. And then Brother Lawrence prays this prayer, and I just want to pray it over you who are just doing an ordinary job every single day. He says, Lord of all the pots and pans and things, since I have no time to be a great saint by doing lovely things or watching late with thee or dreaming in the dawn dawn light or storming heaven's gates, make me a saint by doing what I do every day, by getting meals and washing up the plates. Have you ever looked at your job as a place where you can become a saint? That's what he's praying. He says, warm all the kitchen with thy love and light it with thy peace. Forgive me all my worrying and make my grumbling cease. Thou who dost love to give men food in room or by the sea, accept the service that I do because I do it unto thee. You don't have to whistle while you work, but you can worship while you work.
if you do all unto thee. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for those in this room who are like me, who don't always love their job. I pray for those in this room who feel like they're not making a difference. I pray for those in this room who just want to look for another job. I pray for those in this room who are discouraged. You are the Lord of the pots and pans. You are the Lord over the office, the Lord over the hospital, the Lord over the school, the Lord over the factory, the Lord over the farm. You are the Lord of all. All that we do, we do it unto thee. God, accept our worship, not just on Sundays, but on Monday through Friday at our jobs. Change our hearts and change our minds so we can live our lives for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.